And we talked last week of how when Jesus came back, when he overcame the grave, Jesus gave them a simple command, you know, love one another. But he also gave them some pretty outlandish commands, some commands that we look at and we think, yeah, that's probably not it. Like, like that, that's good and all, but maybe not necessarily for me. And, and, and some of those commands that he gave us, we, we, we're terming these knots, right? Because in that moment, when the, when the first disciples began to run, they ran not necessarily with the Old Testament and the New Testament, because we've got Gentiles that are running around saying, what do I do with this? And this is, this is just a few years in Paul's ministry. And Paul, we believe, his letters weren't in circulation for a good 30 or 40 years after the resurrection. So what does this look like? I mean, they ran around with what we would call a resurrection religion, right? Jesus overcame the grave. So, so I can do whatever I want. Jesus overcame the grave so I can be fearless, so I don't have to worry. Jesus overcame the grave so my life can be transformed. So these commandments that these individuals, that these followers of Jesus lived out, we want to dissect a little bit. And we've called it the end commandments. The end commandments because the end stands for thou shall not. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, when somebody tells you don't do it, what the, the natural instinct in you is to be like, did you just tell me not to do that? Oh, nobody tells me not to do anything, right? Like thou shall, wait a second, you don't. You're not telling me what to do, are you? And yet Jesus tells us, thou shalt not fear. Hmm. When was the last time somebody said, hey, just don't be afraid. Hey, fear not. Right? I mean, you're sitting here and you're probably thinking in the back of your mind, I I know what my life is going on. I know what's happening in my world. I know the problems, the circumstances. I know what Monday morning brings. And this punk pastor is about to tell me, fear not, because that's what Jesus said. Uh, Thou shall not fear. Jesus said time and time again, fear not. Another way to put that is simple. (laughs) Don't be afraid. I remember when I was uh, just out of high school, just graduated, a couple guys, there were, I think, six of us total, and two older brothers joined us as we went on this, this journey, right? It was the, we're, we're out of high school, and we are going to live, and we're going to have fun. And so we went to a state park that is in the hill country in, in Texas, and, and at this state park, there's this place where you can go, and you can, um, you can climb this mountain kind of, I mean, it's really not mountains, really big mountains in Texas, but there's this hill, right? And, and as you climb this hill, there's these little spots that you can just, that, that it opens up, and right below you is this this beautiful patch of water. And as you're standing there, you can just jump off. It's pretty deep. Thank goodness, because I jumped. But you could go up. There was like one at about 12 feet and one on up at about 22 feet, and one on up at about 30 or 40 feet. And you could go all the way up to about 60 feet. Well, I remember we were going and we just thought we, this was pre like all of us having cell phones. You couldn't text each other. So we took um, our, the, the couple of my friends had ham radios, you know, the, the CB radio. So we, we took those and we thought we were the coolest things in the world because we're talking back and forth on these, like these real official ham radio things. And, and so we're talking back and forth. And one of the guys picked up the, the ham radio and was telling Telling us about this place you could jump. And he got on the, 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 the radio and he said, you know what? I'll tell you who I think will go to the top panel and jump. And he began mentioning names. And he said, Scott will never do it. <laughs> he called out my manhood. That's what he did. That's what he did. 
I mean, let's be honest. If he wouldn't have said that, I probably would have never jumped. So we get to the park and he goes and shows us. And, I mean, it's just immaculate. You go and you see, uh, you, you see this area where you can jump in and there's this giant, pan, this giant pad of water you can jump into. And, and so all of us, all eight of us, there's six, six, there's five of my friends and two older brothers. We all walk up to the, as high as you can, which mind you, to get to the height, you have to climb over signs that say, do not climb past this point. So, so we, we climbed up these signs and we climbed up this hill and we get to the very top. And we're all huddled around, right? And the guys are like, well, who's going first? Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And I just looked at him and I said, Derek, did you tell me I couldn't go? He said, yeah, you'll never do it. I said, watch me. And I just turned around and I jumped. I was like, I'm not counting to three. Like one, two, no. I just turned around now. Granted, I probably should have looked where I was jumping. Like that probably would have been wise. Um, I probably, if I would have done it over again, like I, I probably would have done a few things differently, like make sure that where I jumped from was the right area because I ended up jumping and landing in water, which is a good thing, right? But jumped right through a tree. And uh, in the process of jumping through a tree, I, I tried to grab onto the tree thinking that's going to be wise. And, and so as I'm falling, I've got leaves and I'm like, you know, and if you've ever jumped from a high distance, you really want to be as close to a pencil as possible. And so let's just say I learned a lot in that experience. But they told me, Scott, you will never do that. And I looked at them and I said, you're not telling me not to be afraid. I can do this. But, you know, that's really what, what Jesus was telling them. He, he looked at his disciples and he said, fear not. He said, do not be afraid. And they're sitting there thinking, okay, Jesus, that sounds like good. That sounds very um, like we cannot be afraid in this moment. Jesus, this doesn't, this doesn't even make sense. And you and I, like we, when we're in the scenario, when life has dealt us a curveball and somebody walks up to you and says, it's going to be okay, don't fear. Sometimes we just want to hit them. Sometimes we just want to be honest and say, you don't understand what fear is. You don't understand the mirror I have to look into. You don't understand what I'm walking into. And Jesus would say, fear not. In fact, there was a point in Jesus is, uh, as he's hanging out with his men and he's got the disciples together and he pulls them all in and he tells them this idea. He's sending them out two by two. He says, guys, here's the deal. Um, I want you to go. I'm going to send you out into this area and I want you to go and I want you to tell everybody, you know, tell everybody about me and, and talk to them about what's going on. And, and I'm sending you out. And he actually says this word. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And then he goes on and he says, and I'm sending you out and some of you will be, will be ridiculed. Some of you will be made fun of. Some of you will be picked on. Some of you will be beaten. Some of you might even lose your life. You will need to sacrifice greatly. But don't fear. It's going to be okay. And I can only imagine the disciples in this moment, his closest followers are scratching their heads saying, now, wait a second, Jesus, did you just say that correctly? You just told me, um, don't be afraid, but you're sending us out like sheep among wolves. We've been in this world like we know what sheep are among wolves. What are you talking about? And in the midst of that, he says, and I'm sending you out and don't worry. Some of you will be beaten down. Some of you will be ridiculed. Some of you will sacrifice greatly. In fact, some of you will even lose your life. Jesus, do you know what you're talking about? And then it goes a little bit further. And Jesus says this. In Matthew 10, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid 
of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Which, if I'm a disciple in that moment, I'm sitting there thinking, now wait a second, Jesus, you, you, you're, you're telling us, like you're sending us out and you say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. But, but then you, you retract your statement, you're saying, don't be afraid, but be afraid? Jesus, I, I, I'm confused. What are you trying to don't be afraid of the things that, that, that can kill me and destroy me, but be afraid of something. So I'm not supposed to be afraid of everything, but there's something I can be afraid. And Jesus, as if they needed an explanation, goes on and he says this are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care to which they're thinking this is a beautiful explanation like. A sparrow falling to the ground. That's what you're trying to tell me to not be afraid. Uh, it's like a sparrow falling to the ground. Jesus, uh, I'm confused. You're telling me not to be afraid, but this sparrow, which, by the way, you obviously were taken care of, it, it fell? To the, why didn't you catch it? Jesus, what's going on here? Why weren't you there? Why didn't you catch the sparrows if, if it's in your care? And if you're trying to use this as ammunition to tell me not to be afraid, I'm, I'm not tracking with you, Jesus. And he goes on and he, he continues and he says this, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So, so don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Which in that moment, the disciples are probably sitting there saying, okay, he's about to send us out. And they go out. They go two by two. They go all over the place. But they're sitting there thinking, what was Jesus saying in that moment? What was he trying to communicate to me? Why is he trying to tell us, don't be afraid, but be afraid? And we're like sparrows who are just free falling out of the sky. Like, that's what we're, we're, we're like. Jesus, I'm confused. But you see, this began to make sense as they began to put things into context. Because a few chapters earlier, Jesus was sitting there with the disciples. And, and, and they jump in this boat. And the crazy thing is, is in this boat, something pretty devastating happens. In fact, it's, it goes on. Matthew 8, 23 says, Then he got his followers into the boat. And, or then he got in the boat and the disciples followed him. And, and it goes on. He says, Then he got into the Jesus got into the boat. The disciples followed him. And suddenly... A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Suddenly, suddenly, you know, I've, I've experienced some suddenly fears. Now, maybe not necessarily like this, but you and I, we've, I've been in planes where all of a sudden it just drops and you're sitting here with this sudden fear of, I don't know what I can do. Maybe you've been sitting here and I've had conversations with some of you that aren't necessarily from Texas, but Texas storms, when it hits, you're suddenly afraid. And you're like, wait a second. Like, where do I go? What do I do? What happens? I mean, we've experienced this sudden fear, maybe not necessarily on a boat in the middle of a water, although maybe that's something you've experienced. But we've experienced this sudden fear that just overwhelms us, debilitates us. And we're sitting there scratching our heads saying, oh my goodness, what's going on? And in the midst of this furious storm where the followers are there, they're saying, what's going on? Jesus was sleeping. Now, this is valuable because I have a feeling many of us in here, we've had this prayer. We've had this struggle. We've been in this suddenly moment where fear has overwhelmed us. And we're sitting here trying to make sense of us. And as we call out to God, as we pray, as we say, God, I don't know what to do. God, what is going on? 
we just get this sensation that our God is asleep. We're sitting here trying to make sense of what's going on and we're trying to map out our life and we're trying to figure out how to put one step in front of the other. And with every step we take, it seems like the God that we're praying for was asleep. Well, can I tell you, you're in good company. Even the disciples, it didn't just feel like they were asleep. They actually saw him asleep. They actually went down into the boat and saw that their Savior and the, their Lord, the guy that they're following, this, this crazy man that they've seen do miracles and they've seen raise the lame to walk and the blind to see, this guy was asleep in a furious storm. Now, was he really asleep? Maybe. Maybe he was doing what a lot of parents do when their kids are being really loud or, or, or they're, 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 the kids are walking around and they pretend to be asleep so that, hey, shh, don't wake daddy. Like, shh. And, and deep down, they're kind of watching. The dad's watching to see if the kid makes a mistake or the kid does anything wrong and, and they're going to pounce on him. Right at, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe in that moment, Jesus, was he really asleep? Matthew perceived him to be asleep. And he goes on and says, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. If you're in a boat and you're going to drown, if water's seeping over the the edges of the boat and you're in a scenario where you're going to drown, where you may drown, you begin to pray. You get fearful. You are worried. You begin to figure out what do we do to make sense of this tension, of this struggle. (laughs) And Jesus looks at him and says... (laughs) You of little faith, why are you so afraid? To which, if I were a disciple in the boat, I'd have been like, um, did you not read verse 24? There's a furious storm. It, we're about to go down. The storm, the waters are coming over the boat, Jesus. What do you mean? Why are we so afraid? We're afraid because we may drown. When you may drown, you are afraid. And then Jesus got up. And he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed, and they asked, What kind of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? And I have a feeling in the back of Jesus' mind, he was saying, I am a superman. (laughs) Think about that. What? In the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this overwhelming fear, this man who was seemingly asleep comes up to the boat and says, wind, be still. In fact, um, Mark, who, who wrote one of the accounts of Jesus' life, and we believe Mark got what he, he received, what he wrote from Peter. Mark was a Greek um, who basically got to experience and, and learn from and, and figure out what was going on in this Jesus guy's life through the stories of his travel buddies as he was going around um, city to city, planting churches and, and sharing about this message, this resurrection, this Jesus who overcame the grave. And Mark, who probably got his information from Peter, Mark puts, as he's telling this account, he says that the men were fearing a great fear. In the midst of almost drowning, they were afraid. But when they saw the power that this Jesus guy proclaimed, they didn't just, they weren't just afraid. They feared a great fear. 
So they're beginning to process this. Okay, wait a second. Jesus told me not to be afraid, but what do I do with this? How do I make sense of this? What's going on? So they fast forward a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe. Jesus has the guys. They're out in the middle. They're out on this mountainside right by the Sea of Galilee once again. And there's thousands of people in the, in the area, 5,000 men, the Bible says. And, and these individuals are hungry, to which the disciples come up to Jesus and say, hey, man, we've got a bunch of hungry people here. What do we do with them? And Jesus is like, hey, let's feed them, right? Like, I mean, that naturally, which, by the way, side note, when Jesus fed the 5,000, it says he only had like 12 loaves and five fish left. Think about that. Think about how great of a planner he was, that he was just catering a meal for over 5,000 people. And that was all he had left. If you've ever tried to cater a meal for like 50 people, the margin of error is even bigger for me. But anyway, I digress. And and, and he feeds all of these individuals. And Jesus is like, okay, guys, I'm ready to get out of here. And there's a bunch of people around me, right? So here's what I'm going to do is is I'm going to jump into um, this boat because that's the only way to get away is I'm going to get in the water, right? And and so he, he tells the guys, he says, hey, I want you to get in the water. I want you to go in the boat. And immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Now think about that. Those disciples are sitting here saying, now Jesus, hold up a second. The last time we got in this boat with you, things did not go well. I, I, I don't really know that I want to get back in this boat. And it says immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and to go on ahead. And so he's, he's pushing it in. I, can only, I mean, Peter and John are probably like, no, Jesus, you're getting in the boat, right? You're getting the boat. Like, come on, we need you to get in the boat. Like, you're not just going to send us. You're not going to send us out just for, wait, Jesus. And he's walking in and pushes them off. <laughs> and then he, he says, go on ahead of me uh, and, and I'll see you on the other side while I'll go and dismiss the crowds. And he goes on and says, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat (laughs) and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, think about this. If you're the disciples, you're in this boat, you're back on the Sea of Galilee. This is a boat you've been in for a while, but Jesus told you to get on the boat. He says, go to the other side. At this point, you're not asking the question, Jesus, how are you getting to the other side? Because he's just completely blown your mind in the last couple of instances where you've experienced him. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, we've got to get to the other side. We've got to get to the other side. He told us to get there. He's going to be waiting on us. And you're rowing and you're rowing and you're rowing. And this wind, it says it's, it's not allowing you to go. It's such a strong wind in front of you that you're just rowing in place. And if you have ever worked out on a rowing machine, this is not fun work, right? You're just rowing and you're rowing and you're rowing and you're in place and you're in place and you're not moving. And you're just sitting here saying, okay, now this is not working well. And... <laughs> And so it says that shortly while they were out there, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. Walking on the lake. While the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. (laughs) It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. (laughs) But Jesus immediately said to them, failed. Are you kidding me? Did you not learn your lesson last time? What is wrong with you? How in the world can you not listen to me? Like I told you, not, don't, do not be afraid. I told you that I'm going to be with you. I told you that when there is something to be afraid of, I will be with you and I will watch over you and I am there for you. Even when it seems like I'm asleep, it's going to be okay. No, he didn't say fail. Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. 
In a moment where he could have just lambasted them and said, guys, what is wrong with you? He looked at them and he said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. (laughs) To which, if I'm the disciples, I'm sitting here thinking, oh my goodness. I mean, really? How can I get this straight? I mean, there's obviously something I need to be afraid of. There's obviously something that's bothering me. There's something that's right in front of me. And yet I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to figure this out. And my circumstances are overwhelming. And I'm afraid. (laughs) You see, the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples in that moment, and the lesson that I believe that is whispering to us centuries later is this, is you don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. Scott, I know, I know, I know, but wait a second, you don't understand. Like, this is what's walking, this is what I'm walking through in life. The scenario around me is overwhelming, to which Jesus was telling the disciples, and he's telling us today, you don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. Yeah, but yes, it's okay to be afraid. But you don't have to be afraid. In fact, I would turn it around. I would change this little word right here and make it say, I don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. Now, this is all good and well. The disciples are sitting there and they're loving this idea that you don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. But they're still scratching their head, trying to figure out what what do we do with this? Because let's be honest, they still were living lives of fear. Jesus, their Savior, was crucified and died. And in that moment, rather than listening to this lesson, I don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of, the disciples ran and hid. The disciples ran and and decided, I'm no longer associated with this guy. They will come after me. Yet Jesus even told them, hey, you're going to go out. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And they're just completely dismissing that idea. So, So what was it that changed their dynamic? What was it that changed their perspective on life that led them from being completely fearful and overwhelmed and afraid of anything that could ever happen to completely being fearless individuals, those individuals that completely changed the name of Christianity as we know it? (laughs) Well, here's what we see is when these individuals lost their fear of death, They feared not. When they lost their fear of death, when they saw that Jesus, who they had anchored their life to, when they saw that Jesus had arrested death, they no longer had anything to be afraid of. In fact, when you look at history books and you begin to look at some of the early, early Christians in in the first and second century, We talked about last week how it just is a marvel that Christianity even made it out of the first century. When you fast forward uh, the the time of Marcus Aurelius and Gladiator, if you like that movie, right? It's a great movie. But in those times, the Christians were not just killed, but they oftentimes were tortured and and beat down and, and they were beaten such a way that it was not humane by any stretch of the imagination. And so when, the, when they were in this time, the, the doctors and those individuals of that time, they would go, they weren't allowed to do full-on autopsies, but they were allowed to go and search and look at dying bodies, but not dead bodies. 
And so one of the famous doctors of the day, Claudius Galenus, um, he made an interesting finding of Christians of that day. Because he would study and he would look and he would see many, many people that the Romans were persecuting, the Romans were killing, the Romans were putting in the Colosseum and allowing them to be game, allowing them to be just ridiculed at the entertainment of the Roman guard. And he said this of the Christians for their fearlessness of death. And this is, mind you, 165, 170, 175 A.D. For the fearlessness of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them Every day, these individuals were fearless. They could care less about what was going on. They could care less about the scenario at hand because they remembered Jesus' teaching. They remembered the fact that Jesus was constantly watching, that Jesus was there, that Jesus was always there for them. That even when I have something to be afraid of, they are going to take my life. They are going to torture me. They are going to beat me down. They are going to leave me for dead. And this will not be pretty. But I don't have to be afraid. It was because of... They lost their fear of death. They no longer were afraid of death. So they were able to fear not. Now, that's kind of interesting, right? You and I, we look at this and we begin to think, okay, what does it mean to truly fear not? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me? How do we, how do we take this and put it into our current day? Well, a couple years ago, um, when I was, uh, right out of, uh, several years ago, I was working at a camp in Arkansas, had a great time, had an awesome time. It was fun. I was one of the high elements rope course director people. In other words, they gave me a harness, they gave me a rope and they gave me kids and said, let them have fun. Well, in order for us to do that, one of the things we had to do is we had to go through the training we had to go and make sure we knew everything that was going on. We had to make sure we knew exactly what everything looked like and know exactly how to handle every scenario. And so as we were going through the training, it was pretty cool. And we got to do all of the high ropes experiences, got to do the pamper pole, which is this like 80 foot hole pole where you just climb up and, and, and then you jump and you hold on to this trapeze bar and like, woo, right? It's, it's really kind of interesting. But I remember as we were training, there was this, and, and I'm going to just say he was big enough to be like a big offensive lineman at a college. And, and so he was, he was pretty stout. And, and there was this girl that was smaller than most cheerleaders. I mean, she was probably less than five foot and probably less than a hundred pounds. And she was one of the ones that wanted to be a cheerleader, wanted to be a, in the ropes team. And so they were doing something as an example. They were wanting to show us that really at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter your size, your strength, that with the pulley system we have in place, you have the ability to protect anybody that you're walking through. And so this guy, this giant guy was walking across this, um, it was this high ropes uh, contraption. And he's walking from place to place and taking a step and taking a step. And then he gets to one base and the next is a tightrope walk. And this girl is still following him, you know, step by step. And out of nowhere, he, he falls. And this guy just goes, I mean, just, I mean, huge. And, and the girl that's sitting there, she's holding the belay and she's sitting there and she's just like, trying to make sure that she keeps him in the air. And he fell pretty, I mean, he fell about halfway to the ground, but she was able to stop him. And we all looked around and the director got everybody in and said, hey, do you see what just happened here? 
Um, I want you to know that it doesn't matter who you have up there. As long as you follow through with what your training is, as long as you follow through with everything you know to do, you can protect and save anybody that we put up there. Because there's probably not going to be many kids that are this offensive lineman size. We believe in you. We trust you. We know you have what it takes. So the summer came and we had anywhere from 12 to 17 year olds that were running through our, 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 um, the high ropes course. And it was remarkable. Here's what was cool was I got to see so many different individuals overcome their fear. They would look at, they would get to the pamper pole and they're sitting there and they're just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And we would just be able to tell them, Hey, uh, I want you to take one more step. Just take your left arm. Now take your right arm, your left foot, right? We were able to walk with them step by step. They would get on a platform. They're like, oh, I don't know that I can do it. I don't know that I can do it. And we could sit there and say, hey, it's going to be okay. We trust you. We take one step. I've got you. I've got you. You do not need to be afraid. I've got you. See, the reason that I was able to look at these individuals, the reason I was able to say, listen, here's the deal. I want you to know. Don't worry. Do not be afraid. Fear not was because I had seen what can happen if they fall. And I knew that when they fall, it'll be okay. Because I had been up on those ropes and I had walked step by step by step. And I knew that when I could do this, if I could do this, you could do this. So I could stand down there with my rope, with my harness on and my rope and getting ready to go and say, take one more step. I've got you. Do not be afraid. Take one more step. I've got you. Do not be afraid. Take one more step. I've got you. Do not be afraid. See, the reason I was able to tell them that is because I'd been there. Because I'd done that. Because I'd been in their shoes. Because I had walked their road. And you see Jesus, when he's sitting on the, the, the Sea of Galilee, when he's in the boat, when he's walking on the water, whether you believe he walked on the water or not, that's for another day. But when, when he was making their pursuit of the boat, he was able to look at them and say, fear not. Because I've been in the boat. Because I've been in the scenario you're walking. Because I've walked in your shoes. And when you are not afraid of death, you will not be afraid of what is here. And when Jesus overcame death, he punctuated this exact teaching. He let the disciples know, I no longer have to be afraid of death. Fear not. Fear not. You don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. Fear not. You don't have to be afraid. I would ask you this. What is it that you're afraid of? What is it deep down in your core, deep down in your heart? What is it today that you're saying, I am fearful of? Of Maybe it is something to do with your family or your children. Maybe it is losing a child or losing another child. Maybe it is financial. Maybe it is within your marriage. Maybe it is your health or someone who you love their health. What is it in your heart that you're sitting here saying, I am fearful of and I can't let go. And can I tell you this? Not because of anything I've said, but because on behalf of your Savior, on behalf of Jesus, who has 
been in your shoes, who has walked this road, who has taken on a horrible death and overcame the grave. On behalf of him, can I tell you, fear not. The beautiful thing about the story, about the account of Jesus is he was watching the disciples Whether he was asleep or not, I absolutely believe that he had his eyes and he knew where they were going. When he was on the mountain praying and they were going into the headwind and he's like, I've got to walk down there. I just want them to know. It was in those moments that the disciples were able to understand that even in my most fearful moments, Jesus is there. And he's watching me. And he's for me. To which I would ask, (laughs) what is it? That has got you gripped with fear. What is it that has got you overwhelmed and you're saying, I don't know if I can take another step. Can I encourage you? Not because of anything I've done, but because of your Savior who overcame the grave. Fear not. You don't have to be afraid. Even when there's something to be afraid of. Let's pray. God, I love you and I thank you so much. God, I thank you for the fact that there have been times and times and times in my life where I have looked in the mirror and I have seen a fearful. I have seen a a a God. I've seen scenarios that just overwhelm me. And God, in this room, I know that there are scenario after scenario of individuals that are just gripped with fear, whatever it may look like, whether it's a conversation to have, whether it is a a illness or a health issue, or maybe even, God, dealing with kids and dealing with parents and dealing with how are we ever going to take this next step. God, I ask that you would remind us God, because of the fact that you overcame the grave, may you remind us, God, that there is something to be afraid. But God, you've overcome the grave. And because of that, we don't have to be fearful here. God, I pray that you would allow me to live that out. And God, allow us to take on that first century, that second century fearlessness that says pursuing you is greater than anything we can imagine. So God, we love you. God, we need you. God, we need you right now in every scenario we're in. So God, we give you our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.